Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday Night Bible Study. We are currently in our series, Knowing the Ways of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much. Glory to God. Lord, that there are ways. You provide ways. You provide paths for us to take. Ephesians 2, 10. Paths that you prearrange for us to take. And when we take these paths, we'll live the good life according to Ephesians 2, 10. So, Father, we thank you for showing us the paths to the ways. Hallelujah. To reach your promises and experience them. So they're just not words on a piece of paper or words in your Bible to us. It's not just a knowing the will, but it's also knowing the way to receive the promise and experience it. For God, this pleases you. It doesn't please you that we know your will. We have to keep going into your word to find out the way to your will. So we thank you, Father, for the way. So grateful. So grateful for your word. So grateful to you, Holy Ghost, for showing us these things. And so grateful, Father, for the fivefold ministry gifts that you have given to the body of Christ. For surely they are great gifts to teach us and to perfect us and move us into the more perfect life. Yeah. Yeah. They move us into full faith, Father. So we thank you tonight as we're adding to our faith. Ah, hallelujah. The goal is full faith, that we would have full faith, be united together in full faith. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Well, so far we've covered the few ways that I, I mean, there are so many ways to healing. I mean, you can go all the way back to the fundamentals, and that is walking in love. So walking in love has certain flows out of it. When you walk in love, you serve in your local church and you tithe. When you walk in love, you do the word. Didn't Jesus say in John 15 verse 7, they that love me uh, follow my commands or do my commandments? Sure. So when we love the Lord, we're going to be doers of the word. So we'll know the will of God. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowing. It doesn't say anything about the devil destroying them right there. It talks about the lack of knowing God. That's why God's people are destroyed. So it's up to us to know some things. And then we have to have faith to say what we know. And then faith to receive what we're believing for. And then faith is an act. So we add action to our faith. And so we've talked about those things. And and I said this in the very first lesson, the very first CD, faith responds to the manifested power of God. And then Second Chronicles in 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Right here, he's saying, I'm looking for someone to lock eyes with me so that I can show myself strong hallelujah, in their life. Because when God can show himself strong in our lives, we're an example to others. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking. I see that as he's looking for somebody to lock eyes with, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So he's looking to lock eyes with those whose heart is perfect toward him. Then, he can use us as an example in front of others. Glory to God. Earl Roberts said this, Everyday miracles come to you 
or they pass you by. I don't know about you, but I don't want any miracle power to pass me by. I want to know that that power has manifested and it's there and I want to respond to it so that God can then demonstrate from that miracle power. And last night in church, most of you I think were in church last night, we had a special speaker and it was Brother Randy, um, Brother Randy Ruiz. He said this, the healing power is flowing in the room right now. And that was right. The healing power was present. But if the people don't know how to respond to the manifested presence, they will leave just as sick and troubled as they came. Responding to the spirit doesn't involve just worship services. Now, I've been teaching you from the very beginning of Life Group how to respond to the Spirit. And I was teaching you uh, mainly in a worship service because that's where I saw such a lack. But also the reason why people don't know how to respond in a worship service is because they don't know how to respond to God in everyday life. So if you're not responding to the Word of God on a daily basis, you'll not respond to the Spirit in a worship service. Perhaps you've been taught, like yourselves, you've been taught how to respond in a worship service. And so you do it. See, when the minister says the healing power is flowing, then you would respond to that by saying, Lord, I receive my healing now. However, that won't work if you do not respond to the word you know on a regular basis. Yeah. If you're treating your spouse less than loving or holding hard feelings towards someone or speaking out of turn about someone, your words... I receive my healing now will just be words. God will hold you accountable for your words. Matthew 12, 26. Wrong words spoken will hinder your ability to receive what you need. God will hold you accountable for your words. Wrong words spoken will hinder your ability to receive what you need. If you repeat words you heard about someone but you have no proof, you'll say sick or broke or both. It doesn't matter that you think you have a good source. Yeah, listen, I don't know anything about good sources because people are human. So it's not a matter of you heard this from a good source. If you have no proof, you need to keep your mouth shut. I'm generally speaking here. Your life may depend on it. Keeping your mouth shut, your life may depend on it. Have you ever felt the need to protect someone from someone else? So you tell them that you heard this about that other person, but you have no real proof except from your good source, but you don't have both sides of the story. If it's a moral issue, then you probably may need to mention it to them and say, you know, I heard this about that uh, someone, but I don't know if it's the truth, so approach with caution. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you're repeating something that you heard from somebody else, all in the name of protecting them, and it's not a moral issue, then you need to really just be quiet about that, because that's going to hinder you stepping into the experience of the promise. That's going to hinder the way that God has set for you to reach the promise and experience it, whether it's the promise of health and healing, or the promise of supply or the promise of restoration, whatever the promises are, all that God has belongs to us. He paid a high price to get these things to us that he has promised us. And so we need to do our part and walk and in, in experience all that he has given us. Responding to the Spirit includes following him every day. So I just want to go back a minute to make sure that we understand. If you have a friend and this is not a moral issue, you heard something about this guy that just asked her out. You knew of a situation where he had dated somebody else and that somebody else told you some things 
well, you don't know anything about that. That's just what that person told you, and that's only her side of the story. So to go to your friend and say, oh, he did this, he did this, and he did this to that other girl, and that's why they broke up, that's gossip. That's hearsay. You don't know that to be the truth. So you need to just keep your mouth quiet about that and just caution your friend and say, well, you know, take it slow. Take it slow. You know, because he has dated other girls in the church. So just take it slow. Take it slow. You see, when you want to find a mate inside the church, then you're going to, you know, go through a few. And so that's not a bad thing. You know, some people view that as bad. And that's why a single people look for their mates outside the church or maybe in another church because everybody here is watching you and they saw you last year date the guy, uh, some guy in the church and it didn't work out and you broke up and moved on. And then now you've met somebody else in the church and so now you're dating him. Now, I'm not talking about dating you know, mushy, mushy and, and holding hands and kissing and doing all that stuff. I'm talking about data collecting, going out to dinner and talking about what you're looking for in a mate and how, you know, just talking, collecting data about one another to see if you could be potential mates for one another. Well, some people view that, oh, she dated him last year. Oh, she dated him. Yeah, back then. She's been dating three or four guys since she's been here in the church. And how long has she been in the church? Five years. So to date three fellas in the church in five years is not a bad thing. When single people are looking for a mate. I don't know why I'm saying this for the sake of those listening by CD, I suppose. Um, they're not looking for a, a, a mate before God. They're putting God first. They're doing all of that. But still, how do you get to know somebody if you don't go out to dinner with them or, or something like that? So there's nothing wrong with that. Now, that was definitely a side trail there. My point is, when you tell your friend, your girlfriend, about a guy that you heard about and you don't know if it's true, you're talking out of turn and you are hindering your blessing to be able to experience the promise of God. You see, we know the promises, but it's not enough that they're on the page, that they're written in the book. We need to be experiencing those promises. We can look around our church. We can look around in the kingdom of God, and we can see folk who do not look any different than those who are back over in the darkness, the kingdom of darkness. Yeah, we're going to talk about being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And people without a revelation of that will still think and act like they did over in that dark kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. So I'm trying to help us here because when you're in the kingdom of light, you ought to be experiencing all that belongs to you in the kingdom of light. Glory to God, somebody. Hallelujah. So here we are now, glory to God, talking about... God will hold you accountable for your words. So if you're sharing something with somebody as a caution to protect them, please make sure it's the truth. Please make sure you know without a doubt it's the truth. And never repeat hearsay. This will keep you out of what God has promised you. So again, it doesn't matter. You may think you have it from a good source. Well, again, we're all human. And maybe they really believe that. Your friend that told you that really believes that. And so she can come across really convincing. And so don't don't get involved in all that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you may feel like you need to protect someone. And like I said, if it's a moral issue, then you might want to mention it to them. But then move on. Then just move on. So responding to the Spirit includes following Him every day. When He says, don't do that, don't say that, don't go in that direction, you must respond rightly. Be a doer and a follower of Him, and He will meet your response. 
to his manifested presence with demonstration in your life. So in other words, when you're in a service like we were in last evening or in our miracle rallies, in a service where the tangible anointing is flowing, you need to respond to the Spirit rightly and you'll walk out healed. But again, if you're not responding to the Spirit rightly on a regular basis, you won't know how to respond to Him in a worship service, and then He will not be able to demonstrate His manifested presence in your situation. So he doesn't manifest just so you can say, Ooh, I feel him. I feel him. You feel that that's tangible. I, he doesn't know. He doesn't manifest for that reason. He manifests for you, giving you an opportunity to respond to him. Can you imagine what kind of a relationship you would have with a spouse? If you're in the, say the living room and your spouse is in the living room and you walk in and you never say hi to your spouse, you never respond to your spouse or vice versa. Your spouse walks in and you're sitting on the couch and you don't even respond. Or maybe, you know, Tim, when we first got married, you know, I, you know, we hadn't renewed our mind to being married yet. You know, we kind of did that on the job. And so I, he would come home from work and I would be writing because I was writing a lot back then, writing books. And I would be writing and I would so be into it. He would walk in the front door and I'd say, hi, honey. And I would just go right back to my writing. Well, he didn't like that. And he said, you know, I work hard. I come home and I just expect to be greeted. I mean, he has a right to be greeted. We're married, you know. I wasn't responding to him rightly and he was not pleased. You see, when you don't respond to your spouse that's in the room, kind of ignore your spouse, you're not going to have a very good relationship. So we are talking tonight about experiencing the promises of God, learning the ways of God. And so now we're going to talk about, we talked about responding to the Spirit, not just in a worship service, but at home. And that's where you become skillful at it. And so then when you're in a worship service and the minister says the healing power of God is in the room now. Then you will know the healing power of God is in the room so you can respond to it. And you will know because you respond at home, you will know with confidence, I'm going to respond. Lord, I receive my healing now. And you'll know that the power of God then will demonstrate the healing power in your body. And what a great testimony that will be. Amen. So then in Colossians 1, 12 through 13, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. This verse says that God has already delivered us. He said, he hath delivered. So that's past tense. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath already translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So before you were born again, you belonged to the kingdom of darkness. The day you got saved and said yes to Jesus, you not only became a child of God, you changed kingdoms and a different kingdom has a different Lord. You are no longer under the lordship of Satan and demon spirits. The day you received Christ as your savior is the day God took you out of the kingdom of darkness and he put you in a whole new kingdom that has a new Lord. It doesn't have many lords. This kingdom has one Lord. It doesn't have many gods or many ways to God. It's one God, one Lord, one kingdom of which we are a part. Oh, glory to God. So according to this passage, Colossians 1, 12, Holy Spirit, there is such revelation here. Help us, I pray to get it. And I thank you for it, Lord. This says that we've been translated. You know, it didn't take a long time. It was just in a, 
a blink of time and a, a twinkling of an eye. It, it, it's such a small amount of time. I don't know that we could even measure it. When we said yes to Jesus, we were just translated there. We were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we have to renew our mind to this new lordship, to this new kingdom. And this is the problem with many of God's people. They don't understand the importance of renewing their mind. They must renew their mind to this new kingdom. And we do that with the word of God. We now have a new Lord. Yeah. But so many of God's people are still trying to get something. They're trying to get something out of the kingdom of light when they already are a partaker of it. They're trying to get healing, peace, and prosperity. Well, you're already in the kingdom of peace. You are a part of the kingdom of health. You are a part of the kingdom of prosperity. It's not about what country you're in. It's about what kingdom you're a part of. And many people, based on the country they live in, dismiss themselves from the, what the kingdom of light has made theirs. I'm going to say that again. I've been over to Africa, so I know what I'm talking about here. Many of God's people, based on the country they live in, dismiss themselves from what the kingdom of light has made to be theirs. So let me just say to you who are from another country, quit living based on your country. Live based on your kingdom. Quit thinking in terms of your profession and think about what you've been translated into. Well, we Americans, the same thing. We think just because things didn't turn out quite like us or maybe the guy we wanted to become president isn't president. Of course, you know, we're pretty happy with how this turned out. You know, we've got a, a good president. But there are times we didn't have a good president. Well, that doesn't mean God jumped off his throne. That doesn't mean the word of God. That doesn't mean the promises of God are still not ours. The word is still the same. So we don't live based on our country that we live in. We don't live based on the president that we have or the who's who's got the house or who's got the Senate. No, we live our life based on this new kingdom, the kingdom of light. It's the kingdom we've been translated into. Glory to God. Some say, well, you know, and I'm thinking of some in other countries. They'll say, well, it doesn't feel like I'm in the kingdom of light because they're born again, but they're still impoverished. They're still sick. Everything stays the same for them. Well, because their government just rapes the people in a sense, violates the people. Yeah. Well, let me say this to you. It doesn't matter what it seems like. It matters that you are taught this word and you receive it and you hold on to it. This word of being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Some people are always trying to get something from God when he's held nothing back from them. He translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in an entirely different kingdom. He's holding nothing back from us. He holds no good thing from us. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Enoch was not the only one translated. The whole body of Christ has been translated into a different kingdom. God didn't tell you you had to earn your way out of darkness into the light. He didn't tell you you had to pray your way out of darkness into the light. He took you out in a moment and picked your life up and put you in a whole new kingdom. Whew, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't dry out your wood, nothing will. That's enough to make you just shout. It's all I can do to stay put in my chair. Now, in this new kingdom, when you say, I'm trying to get free, you're talking about the kingdom you used to be a part of. You're not even being mindful of the kingdom you're in. If you're saying, I need deliverance, I'm trying to get free, you have not renewed your mind to the new kingdom. You don't know. You're not acquainted with the new Lord. 
And that is how the devil works his plan back over the lives of Christians who belong to the kingdom of light because they're thinking like the kingdom of darkness and that gives Satan a hold on them. The way you think is where your faith will be. When you think wrong, that doesn't pull you back into the kingdom of darkness because you're in the kingdom of light, but it does open you up to all that darkness has to trouble your life, to hurt your life. John 10.10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, if you didn't have something, he wouldn't have to steal it. You're in the kingdom of light. Now, all of the promises belong to you. He comes to steal your revelation of that. So he can kill you and destroy your family line. You're in the kingdom of light, and you need to live like that. Talk like that. You need to have thoughts that are in line with that. You are already delivered. Glory to God. Glory to God. So many of God's people, I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but I have. They get so anxious about something they're going through. They think their answer is to get as many people praying as they can. And that will get them over on the other side of a difficult situation. And listen, there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help. Because God will allow others to add their faith to yours for a moment until you can build your own faith. But you've got to change your thinking. If you think like you're in bondage, if you think like you're the sick trying to get healed, you'll stay in that mess. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed, and Satan is trying to steal your health with sickness. You are not the broke trying to become prosperous. God put you in the kingdom of wealth, and the devil's trying to rob you of your prosperity through lack. Talk to lack and sickness when it shows up and say, I don't belong to you anymore. You're not my Lord anymore. I don't belong to that kingdom anymore, for I have been translated into a new kingdom, the kingdom of light, and God Almighty is now my Lord. This is the way of God for you to live. God put you in another kingdom. Now talk that kingdom. Think in terms of that kingdom. Quit sitting around your dinner table. Listen, this is this is so typical of a lot of Christians. They sit around their dinner table talking about what they don't have and and what they're trying to get from God. If, if, if I could just get, you know, the symptoms to leave. Yeah. Again, quit sitting around your dinner table talking about what you don't have and what you've got to earn and what you've got to get. Your dinner talk should be a family meeting. Tell your family, this difficulty has no right to attack our family. We are in the kingdom of provision. We are in the kingdom of health. We are in it. We are not trying to get into it. At the new birth, we got put into a whole new kingdom. And we're going to live according to this kingdom and fulfill the plan of God for our lives. Now, isn't that a lot better than sitting around talking about what you don't have? Talk about what you do have. I'm going to tell you something. What you do have is so much greater than what you see you don't have. If we could just get a revelation of 2 Corinthians 4.18 that says, Look not at the things that are temporal that you can see, the natural things, but look to those things that are eternal that you can't see with your natural eye. When you're going through a difficulty, if you could train yourself to see the answer on the other side, remember in Hebrews 12.2, it says about Jesus that he endured the cross by the joy that was set before him. What did he do? He looked to what was eternal, the joy that was set before him, that he was getting on the other side. But not only was he getting on the other side, he was taking us on the other side because completed redemption was what was on the other side of his cross, of the cross, of the crucifixion, of the grave. Yeah. We need to set some joy before us. What is it we're believing God for? See it. Keep your eye on it. 
Give your attention to that and watch yourself get on the other side of difficulty. I'm talking to you about the ways to experience the promises. If you don't understand this, the devil will work on your ignorance to keep an open access to your life. He will trouble your family, especially your children, and your health and finances. He'll torment your business. When Satan shows up, you have to take what you know and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Listen, you are the custodian over your life. Jesus is to be the Lord of your life. That means you do what the Lord says. You're taking your orders from him. But what a loving Lord he is. His lordship is all for your benefit and blessing. He's not a dictator. He's not ruling his people so he can get something for himself. Oh, Jesus was already in heaven. He didn't need to come here. He was already in heaven. He didn't come to earth to get anything for himself. He died for us. He died to bring us into what he already possessed. So following his lordship is a total privilege and blessing because he only gives us instruction to benefit us. That's why we must delight in any instruction that he gives us because it's to benefit us. If you're struggling at instruction that he's giving you, maybe it's a new direction. Maybe it's a new way of thinking. Maybe it's something he needs you to do with your finances. If you're struggling with instruction, it's because you do not understand that instruction is going to bring great benefit. It's going to be effectual, effectual in your life. Although, he is the Lord of our lives. We are the custodians. We are the custodian of our health, our body, and our finances. For example, what if during a church service, Pastor Brooks is preaching, our security team is in place, ushers are watchful, and pastors are on alert, and a big gang comes busting in and says, we're taking over this building, and we're going to have a party in here tonight, so you're going to have to leave. Pastor Brooks would probably say, oh, no, you're not. You know, and of course, he would expect security and the rest of us to back him up. Would you stand up together and say, no, no, not here, you don't. That's called being a custodian of what God made ours. Those who run or hide under the pew, well, you'll know what they're doing in their life. The devil, symptoms, and lack are going to show up on the front porch of your life, and they will try to come in. And if you say, well... Just come on in. They'll come in. But if you, as the custodian, under the lordship of the one who will back you up, when you exercise your authority as the custodian of your life, your Lord will send his power to back you up. So just like with these gang members that might come into a, you know, today, you know, they come in with guns, so everybody would probably panic. But see, today is a different day. They're not the only one with guns. There are probably more people in our church that are packing than we even realize. You know, especially security. I'm not saying that with that, that I know that for sure, but I'm just saying it's a different day. So gang members today know that somebody else is going to be having some guns. Somebody else is going to be having some guns. And when we stand together against the enemy and do not allow him to take our families, do not allow him to take our wealth and our health, hallelujah, he'll be the one packing and leaving, not us. That's the point that I'm making. So symptoms and lack, they're going to show up on the front porch of your life. And they will try to come in. None of us are going to say, well, come on in, symptoms. I guess I'll just be sick for a while. No, if we come into agreement with them, if we say, oh, I'm trying to get a cold. Oh, I don't know what this is in my chest. You know, and, and they talk about their sickness. What they're doing is they're in agreement with it. And now they're letting it in. And symptoms will come in in full-fledged uh, sickness. 
But if you as a custodian under the lordship of the one who will back you up when you exercise your authority as the custodian of your life, your Lord will send his power to back you up. Don't you love it? When symptoms come, you say, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, be gone. Health and healing belong to me. But some who don't know that health and healing belongs to them, if they don't know that they've already been delivered when they were translated from darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of light is health, wealth, and anything that blesses is of God's kingdom, they will still think like the other kingdom, the kingdom of darkness from which they've been delivered. Do you see how important this revelation is to us experiencing in order to experience everything that God through Jesus Christ paid such a high price to give us? Anything that destroys, harms, hurts is of the kingdom of darkness. If it makes your life better, it's from God. If it makes your life worse, it's from the devil. If something comes to make your life worse as a custodian, you better stand up and say, no, you don't. You are not coming and stealing what the kingdom of light put in my life. You are not stealing my health. Again, you are not the sick trying to get healed. It is your job to run symptoms off your health. How do you do that? By filling up on the word. Symptoms come to try to steal your health. This is why many in the body of Christ are not prospering. They're trying to get rich. Instead of meditating on, I've been translated into the kingdom of abundance, the kingdom of total provision. It belongs to me because I am of the kingdom of light. All I need must come. You must come now in Jesus' name. Instead of doing that, they're skimping and scraping along, trying to get something that already belongs to them. Your call is what causes it to come. When you call what belongs to you to come from within this kingdom of light, it has to come. This is where many in the body of Christ miss it. They're trying to get what God has already made theirs. Therefore, they're not handling the devil rightly. They are not handling opposition rightly. If a man came knocking at your door and said, I'm here to take your wife and kids, your house, and, and all of your belongings, and I'm going to live here with them, and you've got to go. Every part of you as a man would say, no, you're not. Every part of you would be engaged in getting that guy off your front porch. If you said, well, okay, come on in. I, I guess I need to walk in love. You'd be the biggest fool on earth there is. Love is not permissive. It's protective. Walking in love means protecting who and what's under your authority. Walking in love does not mean being permissive toward wrongdoing. So many say they're walking in love, but what they really are doing is laying their faith, laying their faith down or they're laying their self down to sin and permitting people in their family to get their permission to live in sin. And they say that's walking in love. Let me explain that a little bit better. You know, I have family members that are Christians that are sympathetic toward homosexuals. I love homosexuals. I love all people. But I'm not going to be sympathetic toward that lifestyle. So in order for me to even have any dealings with somebody who's in an unclean lifestyle, whether it's homosexuality or adultery. I listen, you know, I had family members leave their godly wives for heathen women, and I did not side with them. I didn't say, well, bless your heart, you know, whatever makes you happy. You know, the, the mother of one of these of these boys who did that left their wife, and they'd been married over 20 years, both of them, left their wives for heathen women. And the mother of these boys said this, well, everybody deserves to be happy. What was she doing? She was being sympathetic toward their unclean lifestyle. So it's not just homosexuality. It's adultery. It's all of this uncleanness, just uncleanness. 
I'm not sympathetic toward that. I do not have close fellowship with my family because my family is a majority of my family, not all, but a majority of my family, my siblings, are sympathetic toward all that. And I, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be. They go to a church that allows that. Well, it's Baptist church, but not all Baptist churches are like that. But this is a Baptist church, and they let them in there to homosexuals and do their weddings and and all of that. And and that's because they're walking in love. Well, I'm going to tell you something again. Love is not permissive. It's protective. Love protects what God agrees with. Love protects the word. And I'm sorry, I'm not in agreement with that. I'm in agreement with the word. And for you and me to have fellowship, you're going to have to agree that cheating on your wife is wrong. You're going to have to agree that leaving your godly wife for a heathen woman is wrong. You're going to have to agree that homosexuality is wrong. Otherwise, I have no fellowship with you. Not because I don't love them. It's because I can't fellowship with that. I am not sympathetic toward that mess, nor was Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we read about that same thing. He was not sympathetic toward evil either. Glory to God. So in other words, you're not going to say, okay, come on in. I guess I better walk in love and sacrifice your family and your belongings for the sake of walking in the God kind of love. Excuse me. I wouldn't serve a God like that. Nope, nope, nope. Walking in love means protecting who and what's under your authority. Did you hear me? When I was a pastor, I loved my congregation. And if anybody came in that was a threat to hurt them, I stood against them. And I and I did. I never had to do this. God worked it out. But I was ready to tell that particular person, you've got to go. I cannot be your pastor. When I was pastoring, there was a woman who went to my church. And she had a husband that was in jail, in the county jail. For He was a pedophile. And, of course, she said, oh, he's he's not guilty. He's innocent. He's innocent. And so I didn't really pay attention one way or the other because I didn't have to deal with him. So I was just getting the word in her and trying to bring her along with everybody else. Well, he got out. And so she told me he was getting out. And I thought, okay, this will be interesting. And so she brought him to church. And he was a big fella. And I'm kind of short. And, well, I am short. And I remember looking up at him and he didn't have to say a word. She didn't have to introduce me. I knew by my spirit that man was guilty and he would do it again. You know, he was a lie, lie booger. He was lying right through his teeth. And so I remember as I walked away, I said, Lord, one of us is going to have to get rid of him. It's going to be either me or you. What was I doing? Somebody said to me, well, was that walking in love? Yes, it was. It was walking in love for my congregation. It was walking in love for my little girls because it was a little girl a four-year-old or five-year-old girl that he was accused of. And I believed in my spirit he was guilty. And I was protecting. Do you understand to see the difference between permissive? See, that other church would allow him to come in out of love. And they would have exposed their daughters, their little girls, to that mess. Yeah. That's what I mean by love is protective and not permissive. Well, I didn't have to get rid of him. The Holy Ghost didn't tell me one way or the other, so I knew that it was up to me because I was the pastor. If the Holy Ghost doesn't initiate, I'm going to initiate. I'm going to protect my people. I'm a shepherd. And uh, so his wife came to me afterward and said, oh, he really likes the church, but he doesn't really like it because you speak in tongues so much. He doesn't think you need to do that. 
you know, and I'm like, oh, great. And so that was my cue. So the next service, they came and I did everything in tongues. I sang in tongues. I preached in tongues. I prayed in tongues. I mean, I really laid it on hard, you know, the tongues. And I did preach in English and I did pray some in English, but I mean, I laid it on. I initiated the Holy Ghost because that would drive that fella out. And it did. He and his wife never came back. That's what I'm talking about protective. Walking in love means protecting who and what's under your authority. And that's what I was doing. That's what Pastor Brooks does. Walking in love does not mean being permissive toward wrongdoing. So many say they're walking in love, but what they're really doing is laying down to sin and permitting their family members to sin and get their permission. Oh, it's okay. You know, we still need to love them. You know, they were just born that way. Love won't permit wrong. So if someone came to the door, the man would deal with them. He wouldn't have to call the police because he would deal with it. So many times when the enemy comes to the porch of some Christians' lives, they pick up the phone and call their pastor. Listen, while you're picking up the phone to call your pastor, they could be busting in from the porch into your front door. You need to do something. The pastor will help you, but he's not always going to be there. What will you do the next time something shows up and tries to take over your household? You have to become skillful and knowledgeable and know what's yours and use it. When I was living in Washington State, there was some friends that lived right down the street from us. And this woman had a pretty strong constitution about herself. She didn't look like anybody who would back down if her family had gotten, you know, was being threatened. And she had a husband, too. And I don't remember if he was there. He must not have been there. But she calls me on the phone and she's in a panic. And she says, Darla, Darla, some guy just called me. He told me he's going to be here and he's going to drive up in a limousine. And, and he said the color and he's going to take my kids. And, and if I resist, he'll kill me or something along those lines. And I'm like, what? I said, I'll be right there. So I, I walked down there. And so I said, now, what did he say? She's in tears and she's all shaken up. And I'm thinking, man, this don't seem like my friend. She's losing it. See, I didn't know back then that when the devil spoke, he also with his words comes influence influencing you to believe what he's saying. I mean, I wasn't influenced by it. I'm like, this is stupid. You know, you've you got locked doors here. You know, a baseball battle do. I mean, this is stupid. You know, I couldn't figure out why she was carrying on like that because she was a strong woman. Well, she got under the influence of those words. And I didn't know that back then, so I couldn't tell, I couldn't minister that to her. But it didn't faze me. And she knew it wouldn't faze me. She goes, that's why I called you. I, I, I'm scared. And I said, no, you got the doors locked, pull your shades. And so, and then while I was there, the phone rang. I said, I'll get it. And I answered it. And it was the guy. And he said, I'm coming to get your kids. And I said, you ain't coming to get nobody's kids. Because I didn't, he didn't know I wasn't the woman of the house. I said, you step on this property and I'll blow your brains out. You're not touching my kids. And I hung up on him. I didn't give him a chance to hang up on me. He never called back. And there was no limousine that showed up. Now, I don't remember if I said, I'll blow your head off. Really, I don't. I don't want to exaggerate, but today we have guns. So we can say that and it would be believable. So I don't remember what I actually said, but it shook him up and he didn't call back. See, that's how we need to treat the enemy because he doesn't have any authority. Those people were not going to get in the house. We didn't call the cops. We took care of it in the name of Jesus. And see, that's the way we need to be as congregation members. Now, there are times that you will need help and you need to call, but always calling on a regular basis for smaller skirmishes. Now, we did end up calling the pastor and he did come out. 
And so he, you know, he just prayed Psalm 91 over us and he was a total peace. I was a total peace. By this time, my friend was a total peace. Her husband was now home. And so we just had a little celebration of victory there that um, the devil didn't win, fear didn't win, that we were all okay. But there are times you do need to reach out. And that's usually during a crisis. But every day skirmishes, you don't always need to call your pastor. You need to learn how to stand. And most of you on the line do. But those who are listening by CD, be skillful at dealing with the opposition yourself. And you do that by remembering that you've been translated. Let me read that again in the Amplified Version. uh, Colossians 1 verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. See, you see this. You're already qualified. You're not earning qualification to be healed. But you do have to do your part as the custodian under his lordship. Now look at this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance. Your inheritance in divine life, health, prosperity, peace, joy, wisdom, All the nine fruit of the Spirit, all of these things are your inheritance because of who you are joined with in Christ. Hallelujah. We're joined with Christ. We're joined with God through Christ. You belong to God. What is his is yours. Notice the way to become aware and skillful at this verse is giving thanks to the Father. You become partakers when you give thanks to the Father. This is how you take ownership in your understanding. This is how you move into the revelation of what he has made yours by saying, Thank you, Father. You have already delivered me from the kingdom of darkness and already translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. When you give thanks for that, that is how it becomes revelation. That is how it becomes real to you. And that is how the kingdom of God gets movement in your life. But if you sit around the dinner table and talk, oh, I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't have enough money. Oh, I don't know. I don't understand why God's not moving. That's not giving thanks for what's yours, your inheritance. You're talking against it when you're wondering why you don't have enough. If you talk about the lack of money, it will keep money from coming. But if you talk about how God is your provider, money will come. If you talk about how sick you are, you'll get sicker. If you talk in the face of sickness that healing has been provided for you, healing will begin to operate. Paul is telling us here how to get the kingdom of light dominating in our life, giving thanks unto the Father. That's ah, This is your existence, this new kingdom and all that it holds. This is the way you live and talk and think. Glory to God. So the Amplified says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear love. Woo! He did this for us so he could have us for himself. He wanted us. He didn't make us for the kingdom of darkness. No human that is born is made for darkness. We were made for God, for his fellowship and joy and blessing. He delivered us from the wrong kingdom so we could be his and live and be provided for like we are his and have health and provision. That is his. Glory to God. Here is instruction. Give thanks for this. This is how you get the awareness and the movement of this great power operating in every situation. On a regular basis, say, 
Father, I give you thanks that I am in the kingdom of light. I give you thanks because everything in this kingdom belongs to me. I don't have to earn it. Glory to God. But you have to activate it by your understanding of it by faith. The word tells us in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Notice that the devil is not mentioned here. Not one Christian is destroyed because the devil did something against them. Any Christian that does not have the success that God authored for them is because they don't have knowledge of what God did for them. But even with knowledge, we still have to activate what God did by giving thanks. You still have to cooperate with the knowledge. He has done so much for us. I don't want to get to heaven and see a video of the life I should have lived. I don't want him to show me the life I could have had, the health. I could have had the provision and wealth I could have had. I want that life now. So in closing, the King James, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, able to be partakers of the inheritance. There are so many Christians who have inherited all of this, but are not partaking of it because they don't give thanks for it. As you give thanks, you become a partaker of what you are thanking him for. Your gratitude and honor for what God has done will cause it to operate in your life. So many are trying to get the devil to leave them alone when all along their inheritance is waiting on their gratitude. Father, I give you thanks that healing, provision, peace, and joy is mine. Right thinking is this. We are not trying to get it. It's not by your merit. It's by what he has done. We need to acknowledge what he's done and give him thanks. In one of her books on healing, Lillian B. Yeoman said this. She was a medical doctor who was raised up off of her deathbed, and then she went into teaching about divine healing for about 35 years. She said this, there's nothing you can't praise your way out of. That is what Paul was saying. When you are giving praise, the kingdom you belong to goes into operation on your behalf. Wow. Worry activates the kingdom of darkness in your direction. You don't belong to that kingdom, but you can open the door to that kingdom. Fear is a part of that kingdom. You have no business being afraid of anything. Don't make your children afraid of stuff because you're in fear, afraid to drive on the freeway, afraid to stay at home by yourself, afraid to take a shower if you're the only one home. Fear is a weakness that will always torment you. It'll hold you back and hinder you. How about being afraid to fly? Don't ever be afraid to fly. Don't let fear into your thought life or conversation. And for goodness sake, don't pump that fear into your kids. Use wisdom, but don't be in fear. Like when my girls were young, I didn't let them spend the night with just anyone. I very seldom let them spend the night away from me. If they had a friend, I always said, bring the friend here. Was I in fear? No, I was being watchful. I was being vigilant to watch over them. Some will say that they are being watchful when really they're being in fear. They're afraid to let their kids go anywhere. Well, I, I wasn't afraid, and I let the girls know why. No, you're not going there because they're not born again. No, you're not going there because even though they're born again, I do not know them, and I do not know if they have a renewed mind of the word. Just because they're born again, they don't qualify for my family. I don't know if they're safe. It depends on their walk, see. The word is so good. It keeps us out of all of this mess. Are you interested in the word? You need to become skillful then. You will only become skillful at the level of your interests. I don't know about you, but I am interested. I am interested to the peak. I am interested. 
it's just like with the Super Bowl. Some teams make it to the Super Bowl and others don't. But some of the teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, they weren't as skilled as their opponents that didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but they were more interested. Interest in what's going on will always trump natural ability. So while one team had natural ability, the other team was more interested. They didn't have so much ability, but the other team was was interested, and they made it to the Super Bowl. Father, we thank you for your word. It's the best. It's the greatest. It's the biggest. It's more power. It's more power, Father God, than we'll ever need on earth. It's more power. It's an abundance of power. It's unlimited power. It's immeasurable power. It's far surpassing power. It's unsearchable power. And Ephesians chapter 1 says it's in us and toward us. Thank you, Lord, for this great power. Thank you for teaching us your ways. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, everyone, our time is up. Thank you so much for joining me for this Bible study. Have a great week, and remember that Jesus is coming soon.